The Watership Down podcast is intended for listeners who are familiar with the plot. There may be spoilers. This episode is scripted by Newell Fisher and Leah Michaela, and is narrated, recorded and edited by Newell Fisher. Hello, and welcome to the Watership Down podcast, episode 106, which is being recorded on a rainy day here in East Sussex, in which we will be looking at the third story from part two of Tales from Watership Down, chapter 10 of the overall book, The Story of the Terrible Haymaking. First, though, as the latest correction to my introduction to part two of Tales from Watership Down, I need to add that it is clear that there was actually room for a lot more tales of Elacrera and Rabscuttle's journey back from the Warren of the Black Rabbit of Inlay between story one and story two that we dealt with last week. It is therefore clear to me now that story one, the comical field, is from early on in their journey, and the last three are from late in the journey, with the last of the four that we will come on to next week separated from two and three by a few days, as opposed to the indeterminate period between stories one and two, and the completely consecutive stories two and three. Hopefully, my introduction to part two of Tales from Warship Down is now complete, three quarters of the way through. Anyway... Let's get back to Elachrera, Rabscuttle and their new companions. I'm sure everything will be fine. Part 2, Story 3, Chapter 10 The Story of the Terrible Haymaking the opening quotation is from The Face of Clay, an interpretation, written in 1906 by English author and playwright Horace Annesley Vachel. It simply states that nature does not reward or punish. It simply brings about consequences for actions. This atheistic view of nature seems to go against the overt supernaturalism of Watership Down and Tales from Watership Down, which is interesting. This story follows on directly from the last one, and opens with the rabbits who have crossed the Great Marsh, resting until the following day. However, Elaferar and Rabscuttle have been scouting their surroundings, and decide that they are all too close to a farm. Elaferar thinks it won't be long before a large group of rabbits is noticed by the humans, with all the consequences that entails. Rabscuttle asks if the rabbits should go back to the marsh. Elaferar replies that it, it will be without them if they do, as they need to carry on with their journey home. They are joined by Selendine and Burdock, who are full of praise for their help. Elachera asks if they mean to go back to their warren, as the rat should have passed by by now, but Selendine says nothing would persuade him to cross the Great Marsh again. Besides, he adds, this place seems ideal for them to stay in, especially with a vegetable garden nearby. Elachera asks Burdock how much experience he has of humans. Inevitably, the answer is none. He just knows rabbits are faster than humans. Elachrera advises taking his rabbits further away from the farm with its vegetable garden. He adds that humans hate rabbits, but they will go out of their way to kill rabbits getting into a vegetable garden. They explore the entire farm, including fields and orchards. As they are doing so, a human comes along and they hide. From their hiding place, they see a rabbit bolt out in front of the human and run away. Burdock takes this as proof of what rabbits can do when it comes to humans. Later on, Rabscuttle asks Elachrera if they should just leave now before the trouble starts, but Elachrera wants to tr keep trying to get the rabbits to see sense. A few days later, most of the rabbits have discovered the vegetable garden, and there are conspicuous rabbit paths leading to and from it. Elachrera goes to take a careful look and finds that the garden has been extensively damaged. 
He tries to warn some young rabbits about the danger, but they just point out that Selendine, the captain of Owsler, is there as well, and they know how to get away. The rabbits still haven't dug a warren, and the scrapes that there, there are, dug, dug by pregnant does, are very conspicuous. Burdock and Selendine have grown distant from Elahrar over his constant worrying over the vegetable garden. Only he and Rabscuttle are not in high spirits in this fool's paradise. A few days later, Elahrar notices a couple of rabbits heading in the direction of the orchard. There he sees them damaging trees by ring-barking them or removing a complete circle of bark. There are also a couple of humans there walking among the trees and talking. He finds Burdock and warns him that what they are doing will kill the trees and the humans will notice. Burdock is unconcerned at first, then loses his temper with Elahrar, calling him a chlesi, insulting his missing tail and ears, and even threatening to have Selendine have him killed. So Elahrar says he will say no more about it. And then, two days later, a cat appears. It isn't hunting or bothering the rabbits, so Elahrar decides to just move away from it. But then he finds Selendine next to him. He is intent on killing the cat. When questioned about why, it becomes clear that the previous captain of Owsler had managed to have the cat killed when Selendine was a lot younger. Elohera has never heard of rabbits attacking cats, except a doe defending her kittens. He has clearly never met Bigwig and Speedwell. On further questioning Selendine, it becomes clear that the cat he is referring to was a stray cat, for no human came looking for its body. Elohera points out that this well-fed black-and-white shorthair is wearing a collar and reeks of humans. It is clearly human-owned. He begs Selendine to reconsider. After all the damage to the vegetable garden and cherry orchard, this will be the last straw for the humans. Selendine appears to reconsider, but his owls are still lie in wait. Several days later, the cat reappears. It comes sauntering along a verge, as cats do, and lies down in the sun to watch its stomach. Selendine and three other Owsler members attack it. Because of its position with its weakest area exposed, Selendine is able to use his greatest weapon, a rabbit's hind legs, to deliver a devastating kick to its stomach which rips open its belly. The cat is clawing effectively at its attackers and clamps its teeth on Selendine's throat, but its strength fails. Its guts are trailing and it has been mortally wounded. It is, I think, the single most shocking instance of violence against a single animal that Richard Adams wrote about in his Rabbit Universe, and its inclusion in A Tale of Elahrara makes you wonder where this detail would have originated from. Selendine and his fellow Owsler members withdraw, covered in both the blood of the cat and their own. It is almost dark when a human girl from the farm, who surely reminds us of Lucy at Nuthanger Farm, finds her dead cat. Perhaps she too would have saved a hazel from her tab one day but not now. Elohera does not see the killing, but Rabscuttle does. He wants to leave this place, but Elohera is curious to hang around and see what the humans do. They hide under a hawthorn bush, away from the other rabbits. Nothing happens for a couple of days, and then a lot of human men come, up, come to the long grass field where the rabbits are. Most of them have sticks, and one has a gun, they stand talking and smoking for a while, and one of them leaves. And then a hrududu, that is presumably a tractor, emerges and begins cutting the grass around the edge of the field, working its way into the centre. It cuts the grass in ever-decreasing circles, until a small area is left at the centre which the men surround. No rabbits have emerged. That is when Elahrara says he wants to leave. 
He does not want to hear the men shout and beat the ground with their sticks as they close in on the remaining area of grass. Neither does he want to see the rabbits of Burdock's Warren scatter and be beaten to death, or the ones who get through get shot. Elohara urges Rabscuttle not to look and never to talk about it. They are going home and are not far away now. Is it canon? In a word, yes, and very much for the same kind of reasons as the last story. This story showcases the compassion of Elahara as well as his practicality and ability to manage and negotiate with his fellow rabbits. But at the end, it shows his willingness, almost scientific in nature, to observe and learn from terrible mistakes. He is curious to know what the humans will do, but once he has his answer, he has no wish to see the consequences play out. And is there also a subtle, though horrific, continuation of the evil maze theme in this story? Story 1, The Comical Field, includes an actual maze containing a malevolent hunter, the centre of the maze being in no way a sanctuary from that hunter. Story 2, The Great Marsh, includes a linear maze in the form of a harsh landscape, which must be navigated to evade a dangerous horde, but the end of the maze turns out to be even more dangerous. And story three, which we have just looked at, concludes with rabbits being driven into the centre of an inescapable maze of humans from which there is from which none escape. Just a thought. Leah Michaela adds, quote, After the triumph of making it through the marshland and saving all the rabbits, there's the fall in the next story, terrible haymaking. Rabbits of the Warren turn proud, lazy and greedy, settle close to a human house instead of looking for a more rabbit-like place to build their new Warren, ruin the gardens and attack and kill a house cat that wasn't exactly harassing them, and after that humans plot a mean and effective way to kill them all, though it is portrayed as justified revenge for all the damage the rabbits did. Elohera and Rabscuttle are mere witnesses for this fall, as they try to offer advice but aren't taken seriously. For a while I was trying to read references to General Woundwort from this, besides killing of the house cat, but this isn't as clearly tied to other stories on Watership Down. It is tied to the previous story by the same characters, but it is still more of a standalone story, even if a sad and cruel one. End quote. As Leah says, sad and cruel. But it provides another rabbit attack on a cat to compare to the one on At Nuthanger Farm. Bigwigan and Speedwell's attack on the farm cat was just as avoidable as the one in Terrible Haymaking. The expedition to Nuthanger Farm could have been avoided, but Hazel's pride, at arguably his worst moment as leader, drove it forward. So perhaps that lapse in leadership, which nearly cost Hazel his life, is significant. And let's face it, Bigwig wanted to fight a cat. But the raid did result in two does joining the Warren on Watership Down, one of whom, Clover, later has the first kittens born there. And the attack on the cat is purely defensive by two rabbits against a cat that probably does intend to attack the raiders, and the cat is not killed or even badly injured, just warned off. Selendine's attack, by contrast, is pointless brutality. Four rabbits attack a cat that pose no immediate risk to any of them. They do so in a highly effective way. No one can fault a fighter for attacking a defender at their weakest point with your strongest weapon. But the brutal killing of the cat serves no purpose beyond bolstering the ego of a captain of Alsler who three days later is clubbed to death or shot as a direct result of what he did. It is simply not good enough that the cat was a lil. 
I'm absolutely certain that the oceans are full of sharks who would happily eat me if they got the chance, but I'm not, despite my surname, about to start seeking them out in a boat and killing them. Or am I being too human about this? Next time, Elohera and Rabscuttle meet Elendry. Mm -hmm.